0: Hey, Liz. Hey, Ben. Should we just inter- introduce ourselves now? Hi, I'm Ben Clemens. I'm Liz Landau. And this is Pod, Paper, Paper Scissors. You
1: gotta make decisions. Will you cooperate or defect? You know, Ben, I've been thinking,
2: we haven't gone back to the Prisoner's Dilemma in a while.
0: Yeah, that, that was episode two. It's always got to be really early in any sort of game theory We're the only Game Theory podcast, so I guess I'm right in saying it's got to be really early in any Game Theory podcast.
2: But some of you have joined us more recently. And for those of you who have been with us the whole time, we want to give you more of the Prisoner's Dilemma.
0: There's so much more.
2: In fact, it doesn't even have to be about Prisoner's.
0: Yeah, and in fact, I always kind of disliked the story of prisoners in interrogation rooms. It's kind of like the prisoner's dilemma has so many applications. We don't need a contrived example.
2: Yeah, like, for example, let's say I have a roommate and her name is Chelly. Chelly and I share a kitchen and sometimes we notice that a lot of dishes pile up in the sink because somebody has to take responsibility for loading and unloading the dishwasher.
0: Ideally, You just hang out and let Chelly do the dishes. And Chelly, she's probably just hanging out, hoping that you'll do the dishes.
2: Right. And so if neither of us actually moves dishes into the dishwasher, then we're just going to have a really cluttered kitchen of dirty dishes.
0: Yeah. And if you work together, then you both put out some effort.
2: Yeah, but if one of us is always doing the work and the other one is just chillin', then the one who's just doing all of the work is going to feel resentful of the chillin' one.
0: Chillin' Chelly.
2: Chillin' chili.
0: Game theoretically, the, the core point of it is that ideally everyone cooperates and the dishes get done quickly, but everyone always has the incentive to slack off and let other people do the work or just be uncooperative. As per our theme song, did we only play the theme song in full in the first episode?
2: That's true. However, we can end on that note.
0: Yeah, let's do that on those notes. That, that said, anyway, yeah, so your options are to cooperate or defect. And so that that's pessimistic. The, the only equilibrium in The Prisoner's Dilemma is for both people to just shirk, to defect, and then you wind up with a sink full of dirty dishes. Uh, this is often the storyline for... Uh, environmental issues. I don't want to get uh, a converter from my car to scrub pollutants out of my car, but I want everyone else to.
2: Yeah. Well, actually, we're going through that right now with the COVID vaccine. There are people out there who just want everyone else to get the COVID vaccine so that they don't have to and they can just ride on the immunity of the population.
0: Yeah. So there are a million examples of this and it's always pessimistic. It's always just an appeal to people, yeah, really, be nice, don't defect. But there's there's a way out, which is the, the iterated prisoner's dilemma.
2: The iterated prisoner's dilemma? What do you mean, iterated?
0: Uh, repeated.
2: What do you mean, iterated?
0: I mean, repeated.
2: What do you mean, iterated?
0: Uh, economists have to sound pretentious, so instead of just saying repeated. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so, so the iterated prisoner's dilemma, well, you do it again. You and Shelley, you, you both have dinner on Monday and then you have dinner again on Tuesday. Perhaps how you did the dishes on Monday will affect what you did on Tuesday.
2: Oh, yeah. Like if one of us harbors resentment towards the other and it just builds up like a pile of dirty dishes. That's not going to be a very harmonious situation. Now, is it?
0: Back to theory land. Robert Axelrod uh, in the in the 80s, he ran a tournament he ran a, a a computer tournament.
2: Oh, I think I heard a Radiolab episode about this.
0: Oh, you probably probably have. It, it's been it's a story that's been told many times before.
2: Is this about tit for tat? Uh th-
0: yeah, that's where we're going to wind up.
2: Yeah, so remind me, what the, Robert Axelrod had some kind of competition for the best solution to the prisoner's dilemma?
0: Yeah, he sent out uh, a call to a, a bunch of his game theorist friends. Oh, by the way, we'll get to this in a second. But yeah, he sent a a sample program and told them, like, this is the input and output. You're going to send me a Fortran or a basic program in return that plays the Prisoner's Dilemma repeatedly. This
2: must have been a very long time ago.
0: Yeah, say, uh, people mailed computer code. Whoa. And then uh, Axelrod et al., they they got together and they ran this tournament. So they programmed it up and set the thing up to, I think, like 12,000 times or so. Each little robot that got sent in would play against the other robots, and then they would keep the total score. And so in the Radiolab episode, and, it, and yeah, I mean, I looked at the transcript before. Should we act surprised like I didn't look at the transcript? Like, whoa, what happened in the Radiolab episode, Liz? I didn't look at the transcript beforehand.
2: So we learned that tit for tat was the ideal strategy.
0: What's that, Liz?
2: Tit for tat is when one person does something and the other person mirrors that behavior. For example, if I were to unload the dishwasher
0: on day one on Monday
2: and my roommate Chelly does not. Put the next batch of dishes into the dishwasher. On Monday. Then I will be less inclined to unload the dishwasher next time.
0: On Tuesday. So what happens on Tuesday?
2: Either the dishes pile up or Chelly has to do it.
0: Okay, so let's say Chelly does it on Tuesday. Then what happens on Wednesday?
2: Then I'm more inclined to pitch in to do the dishes the next time.
0: Okay, so you're just going to do whatever Chelly did yesterday. Yeah. That's it. That sounds extremely reasonable. And in fact, you may have heard this on Radiolab, the tournament was won by tit-for-tat. People sent in lots of weird strategies that, you know, went for pages and pages of FORTRAN code, and tit-for-tat was the shortest strategy in the, in the system. It, he said it was like five lines of code.
2: Wow, someone actually mailed five lines of code.
0: Axelrod ran the tournament, so I think he... Uh... Anyway, it, it doesn't matter. And, you know, the sample program that got sent out, it wasn't much longer anyway, yeah, so that, that's, the, that's the story as usually told. And we, we don't have a grant from the Af- Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. For advancing an
2: understanding of science and technology in the modern world.
0: I'm sorry, I shouldn't make fun of Lab. We're, we're, we're both fans. And, and in fact, uh, Liz knows Latif pretty well.
2: Latif is a good friend of mine.
0: So, Liz, let me tell you the secret history behind the tit-for-tat.
2: Wait, what secret history?
0: That sample program, that, that was called tit for two tats. Wait, so.
2: I have two tits, but no tats. How can you have tit for two tats?
0: Yeah, well, we, we can talk about two tits for a tat later, believe it or not. But anyway, the, the point of tit for two tats is that you, you, you try to empty the dishwasher on Monday. And then if Chelly doesn't... On Tuesday, tit for tat would say that you don't do it either. You do whatever Chelly she, did yesterday, but you you presume, okay, maybe Chelly just screwed up. May, maybe she got drunk and fell asleep or something, and but meant well. So, yeah, I mean, maybe
2: she like went for a hike and came back really late and just like you know forgot.
0: Yeah, stuff happens. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, you cooperate anyway, even though Chelly defected on Monday.
2: Oh, I give her the benefit of the doubt.
0: Yes, but if she if she defects twice in a row, then screw it. She she's not she's not on the team. And so you defect once. Oh. And then if Shelly cooperates, that on Wednesday, go ahead. you you're, the clock is reset, and you're both cooperating again. Tit for two tats. It's more forgiving because it, you know IRL, especially yeah, sometimes there are misunderstandings
2: like that it's a good model of forgiveness and the benefit of the doubt
0: yeah and i mean i feel like this comes up in fiction a lot this sort of test of trust (laughs) Uh uh-oh that 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 means liz has game of thrones examples
2: i just can't even narrow down a single example i mean throughout game of thrones such as when jamie lannister spoiler alert kind of betrays the Lannisters and comes over to the cause of the Starks. Like, he kind of has to prove his loyalty, and and people are very suspicious of him, but they kind of give him the benefit of the doubt, as in they don't behead him. So, yeah, also Varys, the spy, he seems to just, like, be everywhere at all times. He must actually be traveling at the speed of light, because... He appears in like multiple scenes back to back in completely different locations. Very uh, uh, suspicious. Anyway,
0: <laughs> yeah, Liz is about to re-relive all ten seasons. I think. Unfortunately,
2: but there were only seven seasons. Uh, anyway, you're
0: <laughs> <laughs> just gonna make up extra. I, I just know it. it. It's all. It's also a favorite on sitcoms, where somebody kind of hears something or you know misunderstand misunderstand something then they have to decide, okay, am I going to assume the other person is defecting or do I forgive them and wait until the next period and see what they do? And of course, in sitcoms, the person is always doing, so, like it's always a big misunderstanding, right? Uh, and if one side punishes defection, then there's this embarrassing scene where they find out that no, the person did not defect. They just misheard through the kitchen door. Yeah. 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 Axelrod wrote in, in his write-up of the... Of the tournament, he ran the tournament, tit for tat won. Out of all of the strategies, it did best. It got the best scores on those 12,000 rounds against every opponent. But that that was official. That was the ones who actually mailed things in. But he he's sitting there in the computer lab, and he's like, well, I wrote this stupid sample program. Let's run that too. And it won.
2: Oh, so his own program won.
0: Yeah, yeah. The stupid sample program won won the tournament. But nobody entered it, so it, it so formally speaking, yes, Tit for Tat won the tournament. But he threw in this extra strategy, and it did better.
2: Okay, so next time, Chelly forgets to give me a birthday present, even though I gave her a birthday present. I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt and stay friends with her.
0: In fact, being nice helps. One of the big lessons from the tournament. The top eight contenders were all uh, what Axelrod calls nice, in the sense that they don't defect first. They always cooperate until the other side does, like doesn't do the dishes. And then all of the ones below that threat be below the top eight, they at some point weren't nice. Tit for two tats shows that relative to tit for tat, yeah, being nicer can help. But wait, there was a second round of the tournament a
2: second round
0: there was a second round tit for two tats did not win that one.
2: Oh no so yeah. who won
0: tit for tat won
2: oh
0: axel- axelrod's lesson from this was that in that second round people were meaner there were fewer nice strategies there are different environments in some environments yeah people are generally nice and there's reason to give them benefit of the doubt in other situations people are kind of terrible right the the big lesson from tit for tat versus tit for two tats oh and by the way two tits for a tat means every time chelly doesn't do the dishes you don't do the dishes for two days in a row oh. right uh and that that never really does better in axelrod's experiments but the the lesson was that doing like exactly one for one correspondence doesn't necessarily make sense in all contexts Sometimes, yeah, you should be more suspicious. And sometimes, generally speaking, yeah, you should give more benefit of the doubt.
2: Yeah, I can think of some other examples. Like, let's say you invited your friend, Silly, to a birthday party, but then Silly didn't invite you to her birthday party. Uh oh. And then the next time you have a party, you have to ask yourself, should I invite Silly? when everybody is talking about the great party that she had that I wasn't invited to. Yeah,
0: that's a hard one. That pause means I have no idea what to do in that situation.
2: If only we were as knowledgeable as Miss Manners.
0: I think Miss Manners w- would advise that you ignore the perceived slight.
2: Oh, so Miss Manners was a tip for 2 tats kind of person.
0: Absolutely. I think, especially since she got so many letters from people who are like my cousin did this thing and it was the rudest thing on earth blah 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 yeah B- B- miss manners is like you you are reading into this just take a deep breath hmm. yeah
2: and you know i think that the repeated prisoner's dilemma emphasizes that in real life we have ongoing relationships with people Not only in a romantic sense, but in a friendship sense, in a work sense, in a living situation sense, you can't just defect and then walk away. Like, if you're gonna have dinner with your friend at the end of your lovely meal, if you're like, well, checks on you, and you just run away, your friend isn't going to like you very much. You might have saved some money, but you've lost a friend.
0: Yeah, that's definitely worse than not inviting somebody to a party.
2: Is it? I, well, <laughs> see, see,
0: I I write invite lists for parties. I forget. I always forget somebody.
2: I know. I still have regrets about that, too.
0: It's, it's one of the hardest things that I can do. Ma- math is much easier. I would rather do a page of algebra homework then try to work out go through my address book and pick out the people who I should bring to a game day or something.
2: Oh yeah, Ben's having a game day in July. If you haven't received an invite, then I you're then like, yeah, it's on me. Okay, yeah. great.
0: <laughs> we could talk about the prisoner's dilemma a lot more. Liz, is it okay if we iterate and talk more about the prisoner's dilemma next time?
2: That sounds great, Ben.
0: Yeah, because uh we've got caterpillars we've got caterpillars and contractors i think that's going to be the title of the next episode
2: caterpillars and contractors
0: yeah yeah so we'll find out about that next time on pod Pod, Paper, paper scissors
2: oh and since it's been a while since we've heard the theme song
0: oh yeah hit it liz
1: That's it. just Pay off twice, but that would be me. That would be me.
2: Now, let me tell you about a little game that works on the principles of game theory. It's called Rock, Paper, Scissors. Rock, Paper, Scissors. Rock, Paper, Scissors, and that's the way it goes. Paper covers rock rock breaks scissors scissors cut paper and now it's your turn
1: but that would be me that would be